outsiders. Hebrews 13, 10 through 15. The altar from which God gives us the gift of Himself is not for exploitation by insiders who grab and loot. In the old system, the animals are killed and the bodies disposed of outside the camp. It's the same with Jesus, and yet so different. He was crucified outside the city gates. That is, where he poured out the sacrificial blood that was brought to God's altar to cleanse his people. So let's go outside where Jesus is, where the action is, not trying to be privileged insiders, but taking our share in the abuse, the the reproach of Jesus. This insider world is not our home. We have our eyes peeled for the city about to come. Let's take our place outside with Jesus, no longer pouring out the sacrificial blood of animals, but pouring out sacrificial praises from our lips to God in Jesus' name. In a nutshell, there's there's a lot of uh, history, there's a lot of symbolism, there's a lot within those verses that could get lost. And so, as we kind of go through it, I want to just tell you up front, in a nutshell, what we just read. In a nutshell, relax. We all belong here. Jesus is an outsider. We all belong here. He, there's no privileged insider among those that follow Jesus. The church is not a clique. The church is a community of outsiders. Secondly, relax. We have nothing to prove. Our leader hit bottom. Not because he deserved to. He chose to. He chose to enter the world in abject poverty. And he chose to leave the world by dying a criminal's death. His suffering, shame, and humiliation indicate the depths he is willing to go to to lift up the worst and the lowest of humanity. So in the church of Jesus Christ, anybody enters. There's nobody so bad that they can't come in. There is total acceptance and belonging because Jesus is the remedy for how we fit and what we will become. None of us on the planet is so far gone that they can't be redeemed. And we as a people are not striving to be this clique of insiders. We need to recognize who we are. We're a band of misfits and outsiders. So my friends, if you feel a little out of it today, if you didn't understand that video at all, that's exactly the point. No one knows what the lyrics of that song are. I could not find the lyrics. 
You can't understand what they're saying. But the band that, that sang the song, that, that song's called The Outsiders. And so, if you felt out of it, we are. Because that's who we are. Because that's where Jesus is. And that's where the action is. Now, this story of faith is, is really a remarkable story. And like we've been discovering in Hebrews, it goes from the old system to the new system. The old system, the symbol for the old system is Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai is where the children of Israel came. That's where God appeared. That's where Moses got the law. So now we have this old covenant that these people entered into. And this passage that we just read tells us some things. It tells us that within that system, the Old Testament, I don't think God intended it this way, but there developed within the Old Covenant insiders that that were inside on this altar. And so I just want to remind you, because you may not remember this. Next slide, please. This is what is, was called the tabernacle, and it, and it was the tent. And this is the place where God was. So God's inside this tent, and he's inside the Holy of Holies. So here's where God would appear, inside the inside, which is inside the camp. So there's just this system where God seems to be inside. The priests could come here. Offerings could come here. People could come only this far. But everybody else had to stay outside And there's this priesthood. And then around this were priests. So God's, I mean, it just was a system. Don't think God intended it to be, but it created the inside, the privileged inside would be the priests. And it it really boiled down to a priest. Because on the Day of Atonement, which this passage is talking about, only one person could actually go into the presence of God. You could see the glory of God, the Shekinah glory, the glow, the majesty. You could see that, but actually being in God's presence was reserved for one person and once a year. Now Jonah asked immediately, you know, was that okay what I said? And what Jonah said was was fine. But, But what we're talking about is on the Day of Atonement, animals were brought here, slaughtered here, The blood was saved, but the carcass of the animal was taken outside the camp. It was not eaten. The sin offering was not eaten. And and, and the reason for that is they believed that when their hands were placed on the head of that animal, sin was imputed into that animal. The blood was extracted because without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. But there was this imputation of of sin, and then the animal was taken out or the carcasses were taken out and burned outside the gate. So what that created, if you look at the next, this outside the camp, uh, this is kind of how the the camp of Israel was, was organized. Here's the tabernacle. These were the priests, and then these are the tribes around. So on this day of atonement, that sin, that animal that was sacrificed, remains came out here. The remains were taken out here and burned out here, or there was a scapegoat where the the sin came out here. So this is the place of sin. This is the place that is holy. For these people, under the Old Testament, they became accustomed to think 
that the camp, outside the camp was unholy, inside the camp is sacred. Inside the camp, uh, you have this insider. I mean, everybody becomes an insider. But even within inside the camp, you come down to the priests. They're the privileged insider. And then you even narrow that to the high priest. He's really the privileged insider because he gets to go into God's presence. There's several examples that illustrate that. When, when the sons of the priest played with the fire, Nadab and Abihu, they, they were taken outside the camp and their bodies were burned. A blasphemer was stoned to death outside the camp. Miriam spent seven days outside the camp with leprosy. Then the scapegoat, which I just mentioned, was taken outside the camp. So you can see under the old, you had the inside and you had the outside. The inside was holy, the outside was profane. You get the picture? Now the passage we just read reverses that because it says under a new system, the new system which is not at Mount Sinai, but looking forward to the city that's coming to Mount Zion. Jesus, in Jesus, the old values are totally reversed. So the invitation of this passage is, let's go outside the camp. That's where Jesus is. That's where the action is. And let's take our share of reproach because we're going out where Jesus is in the place of reproach, a place that was profane, a place that was common. So Jesus is changing everything. What was formerly sacred was now unhallowed because Jesus had been expelled from it. And what was formerly unhallowed is now sacred because Jesus was there. Jesus is the end to the privileged insider. The insider world is no longer the home of the follower of Jesus. And then Jesus is the final sacrifice. There's there's not going to be any more bloodshed. Jesus shed his blood. That's it. So that the sacrifices, this continual sacrifice of praise, that's not about sacrifice for sin anymore. That's about thanking God for the sacrifice of sin because it's a done deal. Jesus is an outsider. This gives you a little bit of a map. Jesus, unlike the sacrifices in the old, or now to the temple, Jesus wasn't sacrificed here. His blood wasn't sprinkled here. He was taken down that road, down that road, down that road, and at the time that Jesus was crucified, he's outside the city, either here or there. Nobody knows exactly. Those are the two places possible where Jesus was crucified. He died, as Jonah said earlier, as the Lamb of God, sacrificed for our sins. But he didn't die as the Lamb of God, as in the Old Testament, in the temple or the tabernacle. He was outside the city. He's an outsider. And not only that, but he died on a cross. And not only did he die on a cross, he died naked on a cross. 
totally in shame, totally dishonored, died as a criminal outside the city. You know what? Jesus is calling us to follow him. Not to be an insider going back to the temple or back to the tabernacle. He's asking us to exchange the imagined security of our old associations with the new venture to which Jesus is leading us. Now for those that first received this letter, that would have been horribly terrifying. This letter is to the Hebrews. What does that tell us? Jesus has a message to those that would be Israeli, Jewish. And he's saying, my friends, you, cannot, you can't go back to the imagined security of the old system. Those of you that have been used to sacrificing animals at the temple, you don't do that anymore. Those of you that are used to going to a priest and bringing an animal for the... You don't do that anymore. You come outside. You leave your imagined security... And you come outside, outside the temple, outside the tabernacle, outside the courtyard, outside the city. You come out here where I am, into the profane, into the uncommon. You step away from feeling secure amid familiar installations. Again, if you think about the people that first received this letter... This is like totally rocking their world. You follow Jesus because He's blowing the lid off of our psychological insulation from the world outside. Within the history of Israel, you've got a tent within an encampment, within an encampment, And all of that felt really safe. And it felt really insulated. It wasn't a perfect world, but it still was insulated from the world in general. And Jesus is saying, step out of that. Now let's talk about us and stop talking about them. My friends... The church is supposed to be outside, not inside. Jesus is calling the church to new ventures. It doesn't mean we can't have a home base. We have a home base. But please 
Don't create in your mind, don't let us create in our mind some imagined security that this is the holy place and out there at those doors, that's the profane place. Because Jesus would say no. The action is out there. He'd actually say, I'm out there. If we make this the place of our security, if we make a building the place of our security as followers of Jesus then basically we're just going back to following the pattern of the old. To step away from feeling secure and familiar in our installation. Again, we can create these places that we call church and church buildings that that seem so safe and so right. And Jesus says, no, I'm not asking you to create a temple again. I'm not asking you to create a tabernacle again. I'm asking you to create a place where outsiders come, where they come to know me, where they're equipped for life and ministry, and they go out with me to do what I do in this world. He's changed the system. Totally changed the system. The church that I know has emotionally insulated itself from the world outside. We have thought it was a good idea to remove ourselves from the world. That somehow we could protect our morality. Somehow we could protect our children. Those are all great things to protect. But it hasn't worked. Because Jesus did not ask us to disengage from the world. Jesus asked us to be a distinct people living fully in the world because that's where he is. There's risk involved in that, but that's where he is. We cannot think that as long as we have a place that's called a church building and we have people that look like us and think like us, that we are insulated from the world. We're not. We're not at all. As much as I would like to say that our church building is a safe place, I mean, I want it to be a safe place for our kids. I mean, mean, don't, don't misunderstand me. In some way, this is not a safe place. We don't want it to be a safe place. We don't want it to be insulated from the world. And this is why, time and again, in the history of the people of God, a similar call has come when a new advance must be made into the unknown and unfamiliar to occupy fresh territory under the leadership of Jesus. There's nothing static about him. There's nothing static about his cause. To stand still is to fall behind him. My friends, I believe this is one of those times in history. I believe for the past 50 years, the church has been going the wrong direction by and large, in general. 
And I believe that Jesus is calling us back to the outside. Because that's where he is. (laughs) And that's where the action is. I believe that he's calling us into the unknown and the unfamiliar. You mean, I I, got to make friends with people and go to church? Well, yeah. Yeah. Take out your address book. Look at your email address book. How many people are in that that are not followers of Jesus? And if there's nobody that's not following Jesus, it's, that's not good. That means we've disengaged. And how do we fulfill the mission of Jesus if we're disengaged from people that don't know Him? It's time. It is really time for a new advance of His kingdom. Think about our nation. (laughs) This is my conviction. You don't have to own this. I'm going to say it. I believe it. I'm convicted by it. If you want to join me, I'd welcome your companionship. I believe that the the United States of America is in the trouble that it's in economically and morally because the church has disengaged. We stopped being the salt. We stopped being the light. Now, we got recruited thinking that, well, gosh, if we really got involved in politics, that'd really make a difference. It didn't. I hope we wake up to that. We're not being invited to be a political solution. We're not supposed to be a voting block to make sure somebody gets to office promising to do what we're asking them to do and we don't do it. I mean, hello, wake up, (laughs) time to wake up. I believe we are to influence those that are in politics. But it's a prophetic role. It's not a voting role. It's time. There's too much damage being done. Our families are torn apart. In many ways, the church is mocked. Remember what Jesus said? If salt loses its saltiness, it's good for nothing to be thrown out on the street and trampled. Again, you don't have to share my interpretation. I I think the church is being trampled, not because we're so good, but because we stopped doing what we're supposed to be doing. We've lost our saltiness. And I think God is saying, enough. Enough damage. I need you. I'm calling you. At times of history, I call my people. It's time for a new advance. It's time to occupy fresh territory under my leadership. It's time to stop standing still. You're lagging behind. I believe Jesus is calling us. Come outside of your buildings. Come outside of your structures. Come outside of this mindset that if everything is right in the church building, everything's right in the world. 
Come outside of the church being an end in itself. Come outside of the church serving itself and building these whatevers, but not doing the mission of Jesus. Come outside. Come outside with me. Because that's where the action is. Jesus is calling us to that. Jesus is calling his church to that. So if you'd like to, stand with me, and let's see if he calls your name. Please stand up. I just want to give a moment. And it's more important that you hear Jesus than you hear me. You've heard my conviction. You know, I think, I hope you know that I believe this. But I want you to hear Jesus calling you. Jesus, I believe that you're calling us outside once again. I believe that this is a time, once again, in the history of your people where you're calling us to advance your kingdom in a new way. You're you're calling us into the unknown and into the unfamiliar. You're calling us out, outside the city again. You're calling us to come out and to share your reproach. Holy Spirit, I'd ask that you would speak to anyone who would listen this day. I ask you to call. Call us by name. Call us into those unknown and unfamiliar places. And Jesus, as you're calling us, Lord, I pray that we as a community of people would keep our doors open to those that are outsiders. to those that need acceptance. I pray, O Lord, that we would not fall back into the old covenant models of worship. But Lord, that we would be a community where people come. They offer to you the sacrificial praise, thanksgiving for the work that you've accomplished for us that people come and they gather together 
to encourage each other, to live the mission that you've called us to, a place that we come together where, where we, we look to your word, we look to your spirit, we look to each other to be equipped for a life of service and ministry outside, out these doors, around this globe. So Lord, I pray for our community to stay in step with you, to not falter, to not fall back. And I pray, O oh Lord, that we would be willing to bear the reproach of being different, of being criticized, of people not understanding, of not fitting in, being willing to be outside of the clique that calls itself the church, to look different, to act different, to have different friends, to take bigger risks. Lord, I pray for our community to stay in step with what you're revealing in your word. Finally, I want to ask you, if you sense that Jesus is calling your name, you know, I would invite you to kind of come stand up here in this part of the room or come stand up here in this part of the room and just let some of us pray with you. I mean, that's pretty exciting. Jesus is calling my name. I want to go with him. Uh, I want to go outside with him. I want to go to the unfamiliar. I want to go to the unknown. If you, if you hear him calling your name, come over here or come over here, and then we're going to pray for you. I'd like to invite those of you that are community leaders and ministry leaders, if you'd kind of move towards people that are wanting to be prayed for, and let's begin to pray for people. For those of you that have come, I just want to invite you just to stay where you are until someone prays for you. This is an important time. Uh, For the rest of us, you're welcome to stay and watch. You can come. Uh, come up closer and listen, and if you want to say a prayer, you're welcome to do that. Uh, But we're going to pray for these folks while the rest of us may want to go, and that's fine too. So God bless, um, and God continue to speak to us from this word and others. See you. Have a good day.